Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Justin Quinn here with Luis Gonzalez. And for the offseason, we're changing things up while the NBA shuts down for the summer. We'll cover the week's big events and whatever whatever basketball-related action we can find that might impact the Celtics and pretty much any other scrap we can possibly vacuum up, since we know that's why we're all here. Things might get weird with all of us in basketball withdrawal, but we know you're going through it too. Between free agency, the draft, summer league, and training camp, We'll have at least one pod per week for you every week. This week, we're just going to kind of recap game five and take a nice, nice bird's eye view about what we can expect to see in the off season next year and just talk about the way things went this year. How's it going, Lewis? Going, going pretty well. I, I do want to say that normally the words off season for any fan of any team, basketball, football, et cetera, usually the last thing you want to hear, but I think Celtics fans, this offseason have a lot to look forward to, and it should be just as exciting as the regular season, which is rare. I mean, I've never been this excited going into an offseason. And no. probably about 30 years of Celtics fandom at this point, I can't think of any particular season I had more of an anticipation for. And I keep trying to dampen that enthusiasm a little bit because, you know, the fireworks, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's looking like it's going to be the perfect off season, or I don't want to say that because then everybody's hopes are going to get up. And what if something doesn't pan out, whatever? Sure. But I think we're in a in a perfect position. We couldn't be in right a better now. position, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, for right now and the future, which is something that most teams can't say. Most teams can't relate to that. Well, for those who are out of out of the loop, uh, I don't imagine. You'd be listening to this if you were, but, you know, assuming <laughs> assuming if you aren't aware of why we should be so excited, we've got the number one draft pick coming up on the 22nd, or is it 23rd? Anyway, 22nd or 23rd of the Yeah, <laughs> one of those two. Yeah, uh, you know, just don't miss it. We'll, we'll give you the right date at some point. <laughs> when it's a little closer. Uh, besides the, the number one pick, who, you know, most people are thinking is Fultz, but maybe it's not going to be Mark Fultz. We don't know for sure yet. We're going to have several other picks in this draft, assuming we keep them all. Pretty good chance that we don't. I know we have we have another couple of decent chances at adding talent from this year's draft with the, I think it's the 37th pick coming to us from Minnesota, and then a couple of picks late, late, late in the second round coming to us from Miami and I think Cleveland. Those are probably not going to end up on the roster. Number 37 could theoretically end up on the roster, but, I mean, we've got a lot of stuff to look forward to regardless, just in the draft. And then with last year's players coming over, with the exception of Gershon Yabusele, who we've spoken about before, he's having some uh, bone spurs removed. But the entirety of all the other guys will probably be pay- playing in Summer League. I'm not sure. You think they're going to have Jalen play in Summer League? I mean, he said he wanted to, which is great. I mean, I don't, I don't want him to. Why not? I mean, I don't see any reason for him not Games to. Games don't count. He can get hurt. Yeah, but you can say that about any player participating in summer league. I think it, any any chance that he has to to develop further, he should he should jump on that opportunity. I wouldn't be opposed to him playing in some limited minutes, but I I am personally not crazy about the idea of anyone who has a shot at starters minutes playing in summer league just because if they end up, you know, turning an angle towards the end of it, it could end up impacting them longer term. Yeah, that's true. I guess he could play a few minutes here and there, but come off the bench or something. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't need to be a starter. Well, we're already in the weeds. 
Yeah. <laughs> but besides Summer League, you know, the big question that's on everyone's mind. And this could end up, you know, manifesting even before the draft, free agency and trades. Yeah. Those are I think the big that's question what, marks. Yeah, that that's that's what every Celtics fan and follower has been looking forward to. The the big blockbuster Danny Ainge trade. It hasn't happened yet, but if the Celtics are in any position to make that trade happen, it I, I think it has to be this summer. I mean, you can do it next summer too, because I don't think Brooklyn is going to get any better uh, this season and or next season rather. And I disagree. Pick- I do think they're going to get better. I think they're going to mop up some some assets, taking on some salary if they don't get any particularly good free agents. And I think there's a pretty decent chance that they might they might grab somebody who's more concerned with money than with contention. Yeah. I mean, you actually think that free agents want to go there? Yeah, I do, actually. Just because, I mean, they have two two NBA-caliber starting players in Brooke Lopez and Jeremy Lin. And they have a boatload of cap space. They have part of the Spurs Borg as their front office now, who are actually running and developing their players in a competent manner. I think that their perception is going to turn around pretty big this season. They may not make any big splashes, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get at least one more quality starter on their roster to free agency. But do you think they'll still be in the lottery? Absolutely. There's no question of that. I just don't think that the it'll be a number one is a lock. There, okay, no, 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 no. It's, I, I'm not, I don't think it'll be a lock to be number one. But assuming they only make, you know, modest additions, you know, overpriced player, veteran, whatever, you know, maybe once the lottery is all said and done, fifth pick, fourth pick, who knows? Uh, the the league is so unpredictable. The only thing that's a, that's been a constant over the past few years is Philly being pretty bad and Phoenix being pretty bad. And at least one of those two teams is probably going to be better next season also. Yeah, I mean, Philly, it's sort of getting off topic, but I think Philly can probably put it all together this year. With Ben Simmons and so many young players, they add one or two veterans to that team. Drew Holiday or Kyle Lowry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's rumblings about Kyle Lowry maybe being interested in going to Philly. I mean, he played uh, college college ball out there or in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, Lowry's from there, I'm pretty sure. Is he? I'm pretty sure. There you go. Hometown connection. So if they pick up somebody like that, sure, he's getting older, and I think he's still a very competent player. So you add something like that, surrounded by all these youthful players, Joel Embiid, uh, Okafor, Ben Simmons. Yeah, you make some noise. I, I, think, I think they might be good for 35, 40 wins, which in the East might even get you a playoff spot. Miami is completely unpredictable. Who knows what's going to happen with them in the offseason? And, I mean, from the first half of last season to the last half of last season, it was like two completely different teams. Yeah. I mean, if they can keep up the last half or the second half of last season and start with sort of that same mentality and drive and, I mean, who knows? Atlanta, if they if they bring back Millsap, could be I think know, it's under... They probably will, but if they don't, then, you know, they are tanking whether they like it or not. Yep. And if they do bring back Millsap, then they are probably not. 
Yeah, I, I think if they don't bring back Millsap, Dwight Howard is gone by February. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up again in a second. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, sorry. We're like getting a little off topic. But, but that no, was good, though. That was good yeah. because we, we talked about the situation going on in the East in terms of next season. Yeah. Uh, which is not something that I prepared in my notes today, but you know, it's, it's, it's still an important thing to talk about. I mean, every, all, all of these teams are interconnected in one way or another. One team's failure is another team's success. I mean, obviously, like with a team like Brooklyn, they were horrible and look who's reaping the benefits, Boston. So, you know, I mean, all of these things, we're, we're not mentioning these things just to mention them. I think they're all pretty important things to sort of touch on. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's no love lost between us and Brooklyn. They could use some shooting. They can afford to overpay. And we have a Kelly Olenek who is going to be a restricted free agent. Yes, we do. And I I got to say bye-bye. I think he's going to command too much money after having that really good uh, game six. Where was it game five? Against Washington. Game six, I believe. Game six, yeah. Having that really good game six against Washington. I think somebody's going to be willing to overpay, give him seven to twelve million, so seven to eleven a year. And I think I think he's worth up to ten million dollars, depending on the terms of the contract and, and when it's how it's structured. It needs to be. I think it needs to be a backloaded contract because I, I mean I, I feel like it needs to be a sort of prove it first kind of deal. Prove that you can be consistent and a reliable scorer. So put most of the money in the last year and then have it be team option? Yeah, something like that. I could see that. That'd be fair. Because if you front load the contract, give them and, and sort of decline it over the, over the years, you may end up having a huge number on. Well, he's on super your young. Goals. It's not like you need to do that anyway. Yeah, that is true. But he's just so inconsistent. Like, he yeah. was great while he was here. I mean, he still is here, kind of, sort of. But the inconsistency killed me. He kind of just showed up whenever. And uh, I think teams want somebody who's going to show up every night as opposed to have 10 good games in an 82-game season. So besides Brooklyn, since we're talking about who might and might not be coming back, who who else do you think might be liable to take a, you know, just to, to, to throw a screw you off for our way to Kelly Olenek? Huh. Who need, who's a who's a shooter loving team that can use a my idea I and I have some evidence to support this okay, Orlando. Okay, I can see that. I want to say Milwaukee. Milwaukee also, I can see that as well. They they are gonna be really facing some they're not gonna have cap space though. They are going to have to make some tough decisions, particularly now that Jabari has that second ACL tear. Yeah. on what to do with their guys. But Orlando, I know, if you remember back to that wonderful signing they had, um, I can't even remember the player. He was a European player. It was a fairly minor signing, but the agent took a picture of him signing the contract in one oh, of the yeah. offices. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Olenek's name was on the whiteboard. And Jonas Jerebko. Yeah. I mean, maybe they can, they can take both of them off our hands. I'm less familiar with what their cap situation is, to be completely honest. I think they have a little bit of cap space. I think that they probably could afford to push him into the uncomfortable but not out of the question territory. What are Jonas and Kelly making combined this year? I think Jonas is at like four. Uh, Jonas is just under 
five, I think. Yeah, so we'll call it four, and what is Kelly? Like three? Kelly is, I want to say he's making four and a half, but he's in that same basic range. I think okay. both of them together are less than either one of them will be making next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 hey, maybe Orlando can can pick him up. That team is just a total mess. Well, I mean, Hennigan was on his way out, and there is there is a saying that I, I believe I picked up from Nate Duncan, but I could be mistaken, that you should always fire your GM before the last year of their contract year because they're going to be making some stupid moves to try to save the job. Yep, and case in point. Mm-hmm. So besides Linux, we also have Amir and as you know, uh, Jonas, Gerald, and James Young, all unrestricted free agents. Are any of them worth bringing back if we have the space? Uh, Gerald, he's a good uh, veteran, but that's pretty much it. I think he's a good person to have in the locker room. Boston guy. Everybody loves him. People like him around the league. Can put the ball in the net. Uh, you know, character guy, but if you, you got to be making less than like Batman. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I think never- he might have earned a, a small boost in in salary. I think he's probably in the two to three million dollar range after last season. He provided some really clutch performances for Boston in the playoffs, but he's also wildly inconsistent and aging. So. You know, one thing I, I think, so, all right, the, the uh, end of game five against Cleveland, he, I mean, it was garbage time, but that was evidence that he can shoot. And he made the game respectable, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the few, maybe the only game that we didn't win in that series that was actually somewhat close. And it was an illusory close because they weren't really guarding anymore. They knew they had it bad. But yeah. even still, that, that, like, that means something to me. Yeah, I mean, Gerald can shoot the ball. It's just, I mean, you saw it against against Chicago. It's just he's so bad on defense. But hey, I mean, every every team has a guy that can shoot very well that plays no defense, and I mean, the the league is full of them. I would be up for bringing back all of those guys, not necessarily all of them, but all of them except for Jerebko on Avet Min or in that general vicinity. Jerebko, I think there's no way you get him for less than an MLE, but he is a candidate, I think, for either the biannual or mid-level. The biannual isn't really worth what he, I think it's like three and a half or four million or something like that. I, I don't know what it is in the new cap. But the MLE, if I'm not mistaken, is like 5.5 this upcoming year, which I think is a fair amount for Jerebko, but he'll probably get more. It really depends on what he wants, as, as is really with Kelly. Kelly could do a thing like what we do with Jay fairly recently. Instead of instead of waiting for money, you know, Jay really wanted to be with Boston and sign quickly. Yeah. Before anybody tendered him any more offer sheets that would pump up his contract and maybe push him out the door. So if Kelly is he said in the exit interviews recently that he was interested in coming back, but you know, has he made enough money at this point to feel feel comfortable not going for the most he can make? I guess we're gonna find out. Yeah. I mean I it, it, there's two sides to this. There, all of these players are either going to be casualties of what Danny Ainge wants to do and the moves that he makes. And if he does make the, these moves and all of these players can still fit, but they can only make, they have a cap to what they can make. Like, let's say none of these guys can make more than like $4 million a year. They're going to, that's going to be up to them to, de- to decide whether they want to stay here and 
disregard other offers and other places where they can make more money to come back to a team that has a very, very promising future. And that's really like, can we get basically like the young version of a ring chaser? It's possible possibility, but yeah, because all of these guys, I mean, say for James Young, who I mean, we have no idea what he can do. I mean, I guess we do know that he can do kind of nothing, but I mean, all of these guys are great guys. Amir Johnson is great. Gerald, great. Uh, Jonas is great. But especially with somebody like Amir who's making $12 million this year, that's kind of crazy. But it's like done. It's not his fault. He can still no, 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 fall in more minutes. It's just he's at a, a point in his career where he can't start anymore. He's got to play. He's got to play, you know, rotation minutes at, at most and maybe yeah. even spot rotation minutes considering his skill set, unless he can really keep milking that, that three point shooting and developing it. There's I mean, no people, much space for him. Yeah, people do leave him wide open when he shoots threes. Except for that one game, I forget who it was against, where he went off from three and sh- made at least three or the four five, threes. Five in the, in the first half, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And that was great. And then they were like, all right, let's start chasing him down on these. If but he I can mean, do that, he's got another five or six years left in the league. If he does, he's got a season or two at best. Yeah, no, he can't keep, you know, posting up or whatever his his shot is kind of wild and but character guy really liked him here but that that number that number is going to have to come down for sure yeah at most he's he's a mid-level guy at this point and i think he's more like somewhere between vet min and biannual exception which is like 1.25 to three and a half million i want to say i have to check i i I think I think if we want to be competitive and actually contend, like actually, actually contend, we're going to have to do kind of what Cleveland and Golden State are doing, where their top six guys are making a bunch of money and then everybody else is making like minimum money. Yeah. And there's something to be said, too, for the fact that people like Kelly Olynyk is not like Kelly Olynyk is young enough where he still might get to near max to max level salary if he signs an extension and overperforms or approaches, you know, what I like to call aggressive Kelly or aggro Kelly if he's <laughs> yeah. attacking the basket and not pump faking, but just shooting. If, if we can get that guy on the regular then he can play his way into a max contract situation by the end of that extension if he gets back on the market within three years. Yeah. yeah but if he goes to another team where he's expected to rebound, he might end up ruining his career. So that's something to think about. No, absolutely. I, yeah, it, it's, it's as simple as this for me. Kelly, Washington series, Kelly, max contract guy. Uh most other times, not so much. Most other times, he's a solid rotation guy earning yeah. close to, you know, like the 10 to 15 million in his prime level. But you, you, you can see that he's a, he's a capable 20 to, eight, let's say 18 to 25 point per game guy. If he was featured in the right system, yeah. But I no, mean, yeah. fit is going to be important. Usage no. is going to be important. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've been talking about Kelly for, Three hours, but I mean, he's, he's an interesting case. I think we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on what happens with him, but we have some other guys that if we're looking to chase free agents or make trades, we have some guys that we need to trade. So who do you think is the guy most likely to get featured in a, in a deal for an all star? 
It depends on what kind of a star we're talking about. Let's talk about a Paul George. Oh, see, this is this is complicated. Yeah, this is super complicated. Okay, so let me let me let me take a step back first of all, and we have been discussing some of the more likely targets. Now, there's the perennial ones like Paul George. I think we need to think about Paul George differently because of his contract situation and because of the rumor mill connecting his agent, connecting him to LA, you know, we've already beat this one to death, but let me, let me, let me break it down like this. I think there's some, there's, there's two different levels of like star, all star out there that we are going to be looking for. One is going to be kind of like, not the guy who pushes us over the top. And then there's the, you know, slam dunk. You're guaranteed to make it to the finals if you have this guy on your team with most of your roster intact. Yeah. So that to me would be now there's been rumblings of this and it's growing in, in frequency. So I think there may be you know, a little bit of smoke with this fire. Anthony Davis might be had. Maybe. What? I'm not going to jump into that. There's been some good minds around the league who have, have spoken on this saying that while it's far-fetched, and it is, it's very far-fetched, it might be possible. So we'll just, we'll revisit that in the future as a lot of these topics, these, you know, a lot of these things deserve way more time than we can really give them today. Yeah, I feel like an Anthony Davis rumor mill is going to have to, we're going to have to dedicate an entire podcast to that for sure, because that's the first time I'm hearing about this. Yeah, I mean, Mike Gorman, I think, uh, was the first person to bring it up, and he's got some good connections. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I trust, I trust him, so. Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue have spoken about it as being a possibility, a remote possibility, but a possibility. And then with, with Anthony Davis, there's the flip side, which brings us squarely into the other side of potential uh, targets who I think are, well, let's see what we can do at the trade deadline, not in the summer. Just to try to get get to the finals, and I think that that's why I was talking about Paul George. I think he's definitely one of those. But with Anthony Davis, if it's not working so great in New Orleans, I could definitely see them moving Demarcus Cousins very very cheaply, or you know, like we said with Atlanta, somebody like Dwight Howard very very cheaply. You know, just basically a minor asset like a Boston first in the next year or two and salary match. Someone who maybe help us is only on the books for a year or two. And it's clear at that point that we haven't gotten somebody in free agency. We haven't gotten somebody in a big trade and we're just trying to see what we can do with the talent we have on the roster. So without diving any further into that, you know, the Jimmy Butler's Carmelo Anthony's another one of those like backup playing guys who's also coexisting with a, I think, a top-tier guy in Porzingis who, you know, some people have been keeping track. He's not so happy with the tire fire that is the New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah, Clay, I, can, Clay, I can't imagine him staying around for too much longer. Clay is another one, depending on what happens with the championship success of the Golden State Warriors this summer and their future roster-building plans. Can't talk about that too much. All this is too much, so we're teasing you on purpose here. Hmm. But coming all the way back through the weeds to what you asked me in the first place, I think the most likely tradable guys are Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, depending on which kind of a situation we're talking about and what team, what the team's needs are. Yeah. I think 
I think we're going to need both Avery and Jay in some kind of a Godfather deal, plus the Brooklyn pick from this year coming up, the next Brooklyn pick coming up after it for a player like that. But I also think that you could maybe solve our own salary problems in terms of extensions, et cetera, for Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder in a longer term kind of a window. They're all severely underpaid based on their utility. And then you can throw in things like extend and trade to get salary match taken care of if you have an agreement worked out with a club in advance and maybe they want, you know, kind of a mix of players and assets. There's a lot of ways that this could go. We can't really get too far into the weeds. There's certainly players like Jalen Brown, I think, and even Isaiah Thomas, depending on the situation. Please don't decapitate me. I am not saying I want this to happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Marcus Smart, Tyler Zeller, if guaranteed, is an $8 million contract that, you know, that's about what he, he deserves in the right situation. He's not on a team where he's going to get used very often. So, I mean, there's a lot of different options. Demetrius Jackson, Jordan Mickey have unguaranteed salary that could be guaranteed for next season if they also are part of a package for a team that needs some young talent to develop. Lots of ways we could go. I, I will say, if we're going to trade two guys that mean so much to the team, like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, and have basically created the identity of this team, plus a Brooklyn pick, I, we need to have somebody that solves two two issues that we have at the same time, which is rebounding and shooting. Davis, I think whatever you, whatever they want, you give it to them, basically, for a player of his... Apart from Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think there's any other player in the league that would command more in trade and would be worth it. Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins is making $17 million right now. Now, if you extended and traded, say, Avery Bradley to... 16 or 17 or 18, so the salary match work, throw in the 18 Brooklyn pick and maybe the 18 Boston pick. I think that would be a fantastic return considering the contract situation. It would probably be an overpay on our end, but in a situation like that, and I said I wouldn't do this, but in a situation like that, the idea would be that they feel that they are on the edge of contention and that they aren't going to have a realistic chance to keep Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas long-term. Yeah, and that might be the case. Well, I mean, Isaiah did say, and this is exactly what you want to hear from the situation, particularly with the question marks surrounding his surgery and his future performance, that he's willing to wait to extend just to bring on the right kind of talent to compete. So that is a huge boost. Here's the thing. He's willing to wait to extend, but is he willing to take a little bit less money? Well, in that particular situation, what if he's offered the four-year, right? And okay. it's max, full max plus a performance-based bonus, like you appear in, say, over 60 games, you know, out of concerns for his, his hip and any other potential recurring injuries that might take away from the value of the contract. You offer him the full max that he can get per year with the bonuses for the first three years and then say the final year be something like no 20% discount off of the max salary with a trade kicker. I mean, I would take it. Well, of course, we're broke. (laughs) (laughs) At least relatively speaking, I'm not going to. Yeah. Presume to know your financial situation. Oh, no. We're, we're all in the same boat compared to Isaiah Thomas right now. I don't care how much he's making. 
<laughs> but that's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a creative contract. You know, I think, uh, especially now with what's going on in the league and now you kind of have to front load your teams, uh, these sort of creative salary, uh, creations are going to have to become more, more of a thing. Offering a guy like 40 million guaranteed on an $80 million contract, you gotta, you, if you want to contend, you need to be able to fit at least two or three other guys making near that amount under your salary cap. And as long as the contracts are long enough, you can renegotiate them near the end if the, if the, the player exactly. and his agent don't feel that they're getting the right value for what, the, what they've been producing recently. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. There, there's a lot to, to go into here. And like you said, I think it's too much to go into in one, one podcast, but. Yeah, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, trades, Anthony Davis, apparently. These are all things that we're definitely going to touch on in future pods. And the future is very, very, very soon. Or near, if that makes any sense. It's upon us. And there's been <laughs> plenty of time with little basketball news that we can beat the crap out of some of these topics. And we will. Yeah. All right. So we got some minor storylines that we should probably get into. Lonzo Ball not working out for us, but might be working out for Philly? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it does to me in that he wants to cover his ass in case the Lakers don't end up picking him, but he doesn't want to end up on the Celtics. He'd much rather be on the Lakers. That's exactly what I would do if I was him. Hey, I don't want Boston to pick him anyway, so... I don't either. I understand... He's been doing his due diligence and trying to see if he can maybe put the thumbscrews onto the Lakers and extract an asset for guaranteeing that they get the guy that they want to get. Yeah. But as much as I think that in in a vacuum there might be a situation where Magic Johnson is really as bad of a talent evaluator. Not that you know Lonzo Ball is a bad talent, but well, okay. Let me let me walk that back a little bit. That Magic Johnson is his, is is potentially a poor fit for a president of basketball operations, as some people think he might be, yeah. based on his talent evaluation on Twitter, which is really not a great way to be judging the situation. <laughs> perfectly honest, because what what I do on Twitter and what I do at work are not very close, even even in terms of like talking about basketball. You know, I, I much more off the cuff, not really thinking or paying attention to the degree that I am when I'm writing a story, for example. Not that I'm being irresponsible, but, you know, it's freaking Twitter people. It's not, there's no contracts involved. He can say whatever he wants, and that's not going to impact a club the way it will when he makes a decision in the draft. I think that, as some other people have pointed out, Rob Palenka will at least have the presence of mind if Jeannie Buss doesn't have the presence of mind. I think between those two firewalls, we don't have too much to worry about in terms of him being pressured by Danny Ainge to, to give up a second round pick or maybe, you know, like a, a young talent just to make sure they get their guy. But Danny wouldn't be doing his job otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is upset that Brad Stevens is not a coach of the year candidate. Is he justified in being upset? I say absolutely. I remember when they were announcing the uh, nominees during, I forget what game, on TNT with Charles Barkley and all of them. And I remember saying to to you and and to our other uh, Celtics Life podcasters that it was kind of crazy that 
Brad Stevens wasn't even a nominee. I understand the logic on why he might not be the nominee just because Pop is going to be a nominee until the first losing season he has. Which probably won't ever happen at this rate. Yeah. And what what Spo, Eric Spolstra, did with Miami this season, he deserves to be on the list. I don't really know if he deserves to win, but he deserves to be on the list for taking an absolute like basically a D League team of two NBA players to the the cusp of the playoffs. That that's worthy of recognition. There there's several other people on that list who also were unexpected surprises, particularly Houston and Mike D'Antoni coming out of nowhere to be a top four team. But there's apart from the fact that there's very little surprise factor and a, a very large jealousy factor, I believe, going on with the Celtics in general that kind of took the shine off the apple of Brad Stevens a bit. Yeah. Unfairly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he definitely should have uh, should have been mentioned. But, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't know if he cares too much. Just, like, sort of looking at his demeanor and getting getting to, like, know what he's all about over the past few years, I don't think he really cares. I think he's more concerned about winning a championship than winning a coach of the year award. What are your thoughts on the most fun part of the podcast? The loss. <sighs> it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad for a quarter there. Context, Cause it was a, it was a 30 point loss, 30 plus point loss. I know what you mean, but I mean, I'm, I'm take, I took that series with a grain of salt. Man, I took that series with a mountain of salt. Yeah, because on one hand, it's like, hey, you never know, especially after that game four where they almost beat them again and the series would have been tied 2-2. Then we would have been like, all right, wait, hold on. Can we actually do this? So, you know, I was, I was pretty – I tried to be as realistic as possible and take off my, you know, green-tinted shades and say, all right, they probably aren't going to win. I think they can pull off a game or two. They managed to pull off one. Almost pulled off two, but in the in the greater context, this this game didn't really mean anything. This series didn't mean much uh, because we aren't playing for right now. I think we're playing for next year and the years after that. If that makes any sense. Totally, absolutely. This is this this is was just not our year. No, and you know there were a bunch of important milestones in that game. LeBron, for example, passed Michael Jordan in career playoff scoring. Yep. I didn't care. I just yeah, didn't. Neither did I. He also passed uh, Reggie Miller, or I forget. I think it was Reggie Miller on the three-point uh, field goals made, or three-point yeah. shots made. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 43-point first quarter was a Cleveland record for playoff uh, points scored. Woohoo! So exciting. Yay. More Cleveland records. Exactly. So, I mean, I, the the historicity of the event was lost on probably most Celtics fans. I I am long over my disgust, you know, the decision LeBron and Miami LeBron. When he's not spanking the Celtics, I just don't care. But yeah, it was kind of hard to watch, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was. But like I said, I, most fans, if not all fans, should look at this and say, we're here. If you think about it, in one way or another, we're kind of like the third best team in the league behind Golden State and Cleveland. I really still Maybe think fourth. the Spurs are better. Yeah, no, yeah, so fourth best. 
Fourth best, arguable. We only played Houston once. Houston's point differential was a little better. They played in the West. Maybe Houston's slightly better, but I don't think you can say that there is a fifth best team better than the Celtics and arguably the fourth best team. And that's, that's really about as good as we could have hoped for given what we were coming to the situation with in the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, we're the second best team in the East. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. no debate there. I mean, and if... Sorry, Wizards fan. I don't know yeah. why you're listening to this, but... <laughs> uh, I mean, coming into this season, if you would have... Uh, this has sort of been the narrative over the past few days. Coming into the season, if you would have told me that we were going to end up in the conference finals, steal a game from Cleveland and win 53 games this season, and Isaiah Thomas would have a career year, one of the best seasons for a basketball player, period, I would have I would have taken it. So, but that's just me. But I really think that, oh, and the number one pick, despite all of that. Just the number one pick. Just the number one pick. And potentially cap, uh, max cap space. You know, you can go down the list. So, sure, we lost and the season is over, but it, uh, t- losing that game and losing that series was as insignificant as it could possibly be. Winning the, the Wizards series was a good one and very, very important. But losing to Cleveland, eh, whatever. I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think there's much, too much to be upset about, except for game two, where we got blown out. Was it game well, that, that I understand. I, it, was, it was the worst to watch, but... Yeah, that was embarrassing. Time heals. Yeah, we'll be all right next year. So, the regular season's over. This podcast is basically over. But... Is there anything that you're working on that you want to talk about or anything else that we should be talking about the off season that we haven't brought up? Well, I just, I do want to say that sort of something, what I said, I kind of hinted at earlier is that we're definitely just because for our listeners out there, just because the season is over, doesn't mean that our podcast is over. Um, there's a lot to talk about. As you all know, we touched on a lot of it, the Mark Hell and, whether or not he fits here, Isaiah Thomas and that situation, Kelly Olynyk, uh, Brad Stevens, and whether he can take that next step as a coach with potentially a few all-stars on his team, where the Celtics will be next year, how many games will they win next year, if they make a move or two, will they beat Cleveland or will they not? There, There's, there's so many storylines, so much to talk about. So the season might be over, but there's still a lot to get into and a lot of unfinished business. Yeah, a, a lot, a lot. So I encourage everybody listening right now to just keep tuning in. We're at least going to do this once a week for the remainder of the off season. Something, and if something comes yes. up unexpectedly, a big trade, we might have an emergency pod. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, don't get discouraged just because it's the off season. Well, Check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We've got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies, as I'm sure most of our regular listeners by now know. You can't get tickets to the next game under that heading until there are <laughs> games to get tickets to. But keep it in mind for the future. We have opened up a Patreon.com site that you can help support the pod with if you are so inclined it's just on just look under celtics life for that we'll have the link in the article as well you can find the pod on blog talk radio itunes stitcher and most podcast apps or podcatcher apps excuse me and subscribe 
You won't miss an episode if you do. If you like what you hear, make sure you rate us five stars. If you don't like something, or you have a suggestion, uh, you know, we're open to some creative topics for future shows this summer. Feel free to let us know. Use the hashtag CelticsLifePod, CL, excuse me, CLPod, not CelticsLifePod. Check that, CLPod. And you can also leave something on a Twitter comment and an article in the comment section. Anywhere you want, we'll find it. We're trying to bring you the coverage you want the way that you like it. Let's help us out. With that, I'm out. Talk to you later, Lewis. I'll talk to you and uh, everybody keep tuning in.